Welcome to our class called Hearing God's Voice through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session two called Hearing God is for Everyone. And you'll remember I talked to you last session that we're going through my book called Hearing God. And this really is a culmination of 10 to 15 years of teaching and writing on the issue of hearing God's voice. And I put together this book. There's nine chapters. We're going to do nine sessions. Each session correlates with the same chapter. So session two is what we're in right now. Hearing God is for everyone. It's going to correlate with chapter number two in my book. You can pick up the book at bendixon.org or immer um, igniteglobalministries.org. You can find it on Amazon as well or any of the online platforms if you want to follow along with the book. But it is really my heart and desire to teach people to hear the voice of God through relationship with God. Last week we talked about a real relationship because we always want to start the conversation of hearing the voice of God by talking about having a real relationship with God. And of course that is made available through Jesus Christ, that he died and he rose again. He came as a perfect sacrifice to die in our place, that he would rise again and that we would believe upon him, his death, burial, resurrection, and be restored to right relationship with the Father. And it is through this relationship that you and I can now hear God's voice and this becomes more and more consistent and normal in our life. Now in this session, what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you even further about the foundation for hearing the voice of God. We wanna lay a thorough foundation. I wanna go through a bit of scripture to just basically come to the conclusion. If you're not already there, my job today is to help you get there. That hearing God is for everyone. It's not just for some. It's not for the specially anointed. It's not for the prophets. It's for all of God's children. Jesus, of course, said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep, which means his followers, they hear me, they know me, and they follow me. They hear my voice, they know me, they're intimately acquainted with me, and they follow what I'm saying. So we hear him, we know him, and we follow him. We must be convinced that God speaks to us or he communicates to us in order for us to expect that God's gonna speak and pursue. If you don't believe that God speaks to you, then you're not gonna expect it. You're not gonna pursue it. You're not gonna have your ears open often or all the time to what God might be saying to you. You might not have any kind of pursuit where this is normal and you desire this because if it's not available in your mind, then it's not operational in your life. But this is available and that's really what we're getting at. We see it through Genesis to Revelation. In scripture, we see that God communicates with people. And as I'm going to continue to talk to you about this, seldom is God's voice a voice. God doesn't always communicate to us just in some voice, but we see lots of different ways that God communicates in Scripture, and He still does this today, from visions to pictures. Obviously, the Word of God is the foundation, but impressions and dreams, and some call a still small voice, or even an external a, a, a voice that we can hear with our with our ears. I mean, we see this throughout scripture, but I want to say this to you that God is speaking to everyone. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's communicating with us. But just because he's communicating with us doesn't mean that we are hearing him. Just because we seek him even to hear him doesn't mean we know how he speaks. So we want to know that he speaks, but we also want to learn to discern how he's speaking to us. So some of us are seeking to do that. I believe you need to be equipped through the word of God 
and how to hear the voice of God. It's not just something that's automatic. It's not just something that you just walk into Christianity and you automatically know this. It's something that we learn. God is spirit and he communicates to us in many, many different ways, but he does communicate to everyone. And this is something we wanna embrace. We wanna learn more and more about and we see throughout scripture but there are reasons, many reasons, why we don't maybe hear the voice of God or what he's trying to say to us. One of those reasons, or one of the, I believe, hindrances, the things that stop us from believing or pursuing the voice of God in our life is the bad examples that we've, that we've had. There are many, many bad examples today and in history of a person who said God told them something and God in fact was not the one speaking. God wasn't communicating with them at all. And we see some examples like for example in 2011, Peter Jones, who's the pastor of World Outreach Church in Florida, he said that God spoke to him, he said this is what he said, God spoke to me about defacing Islam and desecrating its Quran and doing what um, I could do to wake up America. So he was on CNN and they highlighted him burning Qurans. That's what he did. He, he just had a, a burn uh, through all these Qurans, got a lot of Muslims very, very angry. And he said that this is what God told him to do to deface Islam, to wake up America. There are so many reasons why I believe that's not from God. Uh, but it's amazing to me how the media even makes people who say God spoke to me look crazy because they usually will give airtime to the person that in fact is doing foolish things or might even be crazy. Uh, there's not a lot of media coverage for people that legitimately hear the voice of God and have fruit and results that follow. A lot of the media is not covering that because you can understand that the enemy is at the seat. He might not be controlling all of the media outlets or the coverage, but you can understand that the enemy is at the seat of a lot of these kinds of worldly ventures to help to, to try to cause people to believe that anybody who thinks that God is real is crazy, especially those that somehow think that, that God is alive, active, speaking, communicating, and wanting to move today. I mean, I don't think the enemy cares that we're religious. I don't think he cares that we give a little bit of our money or that we come to a building once a week. But if anybody really takes Jesus seriously, takes the word of God seriously, I think the enemy feels threatened by that. And so he has a vested interest in making people who believe that look, uh, look crazy. And so what you have is you have a, this is a bad example. This pastor from Florida basically does something that's crazy. No, nobody has to burn a Quran to deface Islam. Jesus taught us in the Bible that we need to love even our enemies. If you would consider a Muslim an enemy, maybe, maybe not, not, not all, of course. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that. I would just pray for and share the gospel with. He taught us to preach the gospel to all creation. Mark chapter 16, go and make disciples of every nation. This is the calling of Christ. And people that burn a Quran and say we need to deface Islam to wake up America, they're not reading the Bible right. And so when this was highlighted on the news as somebody hearing from God, there was a lot of scoffing that happened because there really is a... I believe, a vested interest by the enemy to promote this kind of stuff, uh, that that's a, a real Christian, or maybe he is or isn't, but he definitely isn't hearing God. And the second one, in 1987, a televangelist named Oral Roberts said on nationwide television uh, that his supporters needed to send in $8 million, and if they didn't, that God would take him home. And uh, 
and that God told him to do this for basically building a hospital. Now, regardless of what you think about Oral Roberts, he said that on national television. He said God told him to get on TV, 1987, I was about eight years old, <laughs> and to tell everybody that if you don't give me $8 million, God's going to take my life. Well, first of all, that's not God, okay? We don't have to like pray about this or try to discern that. God didn't tell him to get on TV to tell people to do that. I don't care who he is. I don't care what his name is or what his reputation is, or even he could be a great Christian. And I'm not saying he's a false prophet. I'm saying sometimes people have false words that aren't false prophets. We'll talk about that in later weeks. But this is one of those things where people thought he was crazy and he basically lost his reputation uh, in many circles. And so did Christianity in a sense. This was used by many to, to spur on this idea that God doesn't speak to people and people that say he does, they're crazy. Another example would be like the end of the world predictions, like Y2K, everybody came out of the woodworks, prophets and prophecies came out of the woodworks saying that basically that when the computers cross over into the year 2000, everything's going to go blank, we're all going to lose our money. I mean, people like literally took all their money out of the bank and buried it in their backyard. They were doing crazy stuff. People moved to the mountains. I mean, Maybe not people in your neighborhood, but there were a lot of people out there that were doing things because somebody or some prophet said that God told them this was going to happen. I even myself heard people say that. There were books written right now that when Y2K was going to happen, when it was going to cross over from 1999 to the year 2000, that God was going to bring judgment and that God was going to return. What about the all of the predictions about when Jesus was going to return, that God told me that Jesus was going to return. I could go on and on and on. There's so many bad examples. And I think that those bad examples have become a reason why some of us no longer expect or pursue the voice of God in our own life. And we basically just say, well, the Bible is the only way that God communicates. And I would say, amen, the Bible is, is the primary way in which God communicates. But it is, the Bible has a different purpose than just hearing the voice of God relationally. The Bible is our foundation for life and salvation and what we know about God and ourselves. We're not trying to hear the Holy Spirit talk to us about the things that the Bible's writing about other than to give us some detail and direction about those things in a specific way whereby we might know how to apply what we already have in Scripture. But it's super important that we know that bad examples in life are not our Bible and they are not our Jesus. If we just take our cues from Scripture, then we have to come to this place where people in the Bible heard the voice of God. People in the Bible communicated with God. People in the Bible had a relationship with God that was real enough to hear Him communicate with Him. And that is something that we have to own for ourselves. And that's the kind of relationship that we're drawn into, that we're invited into, that Jesus paid a price for. And we don't want to have a lesser view than that. An illustration I like to give is basically like text messaging. I have people in my life that even though we've had text messaging available on our cell phones for a long time, there are still people that for whatever reason have, have um, somehow dismantled their ability to text on their phone because they don't want a text message. And so here you have all of these phones that can, can provide this service and this means of communication, but there are other people that you could send a text message to and they'll never receive it because they've had that part of their phone turned off and they don't have the ability to receive. And so just because it's available does not mean that it's operational. And we've got to remember that. What we want to first believe is God speaks, but secondarily, 
we pursue that, we expect that because we see this from scripture. If somebody asked me, Ben, why do you believe that God speaks today? The answer is very, very simple. Because God spoke to people throughout scripture, God speak, spoke to people throughout history, and God speaks to people today. I feel like that's very congruent with the truth, and we wanna remember that. And the first way I wanna look at hearing the voice of God is hearing God through the Old Testament. In scripture, we see, in the, from, the, from the Old Testament, we see God beginning to speak to people in the beginning. In Genesis chapter one, verse 28, this is what it says. It says, God blessed them, this is Adam and Eve, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And he goes on to saying things to them. But what you notice right away is God said to them, that's what it says, God blessed them and said to them. So here we have God communicating to human beings and it's safe to assume that Adam and Eve heard God speak to them audibly. Uh, this, was, this was something that they, I believe, had uh, from the beginning, that they, they were enjoying their relationship with God. They heard the voice of God audibly, personally. Um, but what we see is as they fell from their relationship with God, so their communication or humanity's communication with God begins to take a different effect. And we see that from Genesis, actually Genesis chapter 20, because right after Adam and Eve fell, we see God still communicating with people like Cain and Abel, Noah and Abraham. God is speaking to them. You, you can, it's undeniable in scripture. You can see it everywhere you go. In Genesis chapter 20, we begin to see a new forms of communication happen with God and man. And I would argue that the reason that this happens is it begins in the fall. His communication with us is, it changes because of his relationship to us. Our sin begins to change our relationship with God. Not that God changes his relationship with us because he told us that if we ate from the wrong tree, the tree of the fruit of, or tree of knowledge of good and evil, that we would die. And it's that death cycle, that distortion, that sin nature that starts to change the way that we receive and perceive our God. And as a result of that, God begins to communicate differently with us, I believe just to speak to us in a way that we can understand and receive. But dreams and visions and the like begin to happen from Genesis chapter 20 and onwards. And it seems like God becomes less personal with people Except when we get into the story of Moses, we see that in Exodus 33:11, the Bible says, because God chose Moses to lead the people of Israel, he was the leader of Israel. He was the founder of what we would say in academic terms, the founder of Israel's religion, Jude Judaism. And we see that he, in, Genesis, or in Exodus 33:11, God spoke to Moses face to face like a man speaks to his friend. And so this is a very personal form of communication, but it wasn't normal for all of the people to enjoy this kind of relationship and this kind of communication with God. With Moses, God brought the law or the Torah. This was clear communication from God in stone to the people from God's prophet. After Moses, God established three kinds of mediators. We see prophets, priests, and kings. And these were the three that could hear the voice of God. Prophets would hear the voice of God for the nation or the nations and prophesy what God was saying. Priests were those that could go before God as uh, representatives of the nation of Israel. And uh, they had the Urim and the Thummim, and they could actually go before the Lord in the house of the Lord, and they could stand in place of the nation and hear the voice of God. And kings also had that privilege at times to go before God uh, in his presence and hear from him. And this is what we see throughout the Old Testament. 
um, established, even though the fall happens, there's still a way in which God communicates to his people. But that actually continues. And so we, we want to look at hearing God in the life of Jesus. There are two primary things that Jesus came to do. The first was to redeem us, to restore us to right relationship with the Lord. But secondarily, he came to be a model to us. He's not just the payment for our sins, but he's the pattern for our life. And our faith uh, in his death, burial, and resurrection brings about new life in us where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and we are reconnected to our Heavenly Father. And it is through that connection that we can now hear him and enjoy him in this relationship where hearing him becomes more normal again. And we see this actually as a pattern of life for Jesus Christ. Jesus would spend time with the Father. This was very often. And he, he would say things like, I only say what I hear my Father saying, and I only do what my Father tells me to do. Now, definitely Jesus was more than a man in a sense, but he actually subjected himself to humanity. He relinquished his glory. He came in the form of a human being, and he lived as a human being filled with the Holy Spirit. While he was more than that, he lived as a human being. And this is a look for us into the life that God ultimately has called us to live. That as a man or a woman rightly related to God as father, that we could actually have something with the Lord that he intended for us to have. Communication can become more normal. And this is something that Jesus becomes for us as the only mediator. So now it no longer is prophet, priest, and king that these special people can hear the voice of God. But now Jesus actually is our prophet, priest, and king. And he is the mediator between the Father. And there is no other mediator between God and man except the man Christ Jesus. And it actually says about Jesus that he is the way in which we can hear him now. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets and in many portions and in many ways, but in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. And so what he's saying, the writer of Hebrews in this passage is that in the past, God would speak through his prophets. And this was an indirect way of God communicating to his people. He would raise up one to speak to the many. But in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. And what we see about that is that Jesus gives his life to bring us near by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. How near? Near enough to hear him. And this is really incredible. The whole picture of the Old Testament being that we are family with God through Jesus Christ, that inevitably this is what would, this is what would happen. This is what was soon in coming. God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And this is what we see happening time and time again. 13 times in the Bible mentions that Jesus went off by himself to pray and he modeled what intimacy looked like with the Father. He went off by himself to pray. This was constant. This was ongoing. And Jesus invited just common people. His disciples were common nobodies. He invited them into a life with him. And I believe that's sort of a picture of what we're invited into. Jesus invited them, but he's also inviting us by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, 
to have a life with him that's close, that's intimate. Jesus walked with and talked with his followers. As the unique son of God, I believe he's doing the same with us today through the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So vital, so important. Do you believe that? Do you believe as a follower of Christ that you hear his voice, you can listen to his voice, that you know him personally, and that as a result of that, you can follow him. This is so important. But we also wanna look for a little bit at hearing God through the Holy Spirit, which is where we are in the story of God. Surely things uh, couldn't be better than daily life with the Son of God, but Jesus in John chapter 16 says something very, very potent, very powerful to his disciples. He says to them, listen, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. I will give you another helper who will be with you forever. And he actually goes as far as saying, it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit comes. And I'm thinking, what could be better than living life with the Son of God physically every day, day in, day out? You wake up and you have breakfast with Jesus. You go to sleep, probably singing some kind of hymn to Jesus, with Jesus, it'd be a unique thing. But anyways, what could be better than that? Really, I mean, what an amazing thing. We long to be with Jesus today. We long to be with Him. One day we're gonna be with Him. One day we're gonna join Him as His people. I look forward to it, I long for that day. So I can't even imagine what could be better than being with, literally being with the physical Jesus. But He said to His followers, there is something better. It is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit come. Why? so that the Holy Spirit could indwell every follower, every believer in Jesus Christ, and that we could be reconnected and reunited with our Heavenly Father, that this family of God could come back together as God originally intended. And that's what Jesus came for. He came to reunite and reconnect. He wasn't here for a brief stay. He only came to do what he was called to do, and he did that. He laid his life down. In John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15, he says something that I think also is very important and interesting. He says to his disciples, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine, and he will disclose it to you. Jesus said to his disciples that he wanted to say more, but they couldn't bear it, which means that they couldn't hold up under the weight of it, that they didn't have the ability to understand it, receive it, and walk in it. He, he wanted to talk about so much more. In fact, I've shared messages before where, where I've said that Jesus has more to say. I believe that the Lord wants to continue to position our hearts. First, salvationally, he wants to position us so that we can hear and receive from him. But secondarily, he wants to position us relationally so that we can receive, that we can bear the things that he's trying to say to us. And I believe sometimes maybe we don't hear the voice of God because we can't receive it. We can't bear it. We can't bear up under the weight of it. Our ears aren't open to it. What if Jesus wanted to say something to us and this is what he said, even to us as Christians, he would say, I have many more things to say to you, but right now you just can't hear it. Right now you can't receive it. Right now you're not open to it. This is so, sort of what he said to his disciples, except the, the initial part of what he meant to them was that they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So what I think is so important for us is that as those who do have the Holy Spirit, as those 
who really do follow Christ today, and we know maybe what they didn't know when Jesus had that conversation with them, how much more do we need to be open, receptive, available to what God is trying to say to us? The Holy Spirit who would live in them would speak and guide them into all truth. The voice of God in the life of the believer is the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he is the one that is leading us. It says guide. I love this word guide. He is our guide. I think about like a trail and, and maybe in the woods somewhere on some kind of hike. Can you imagine going into a place that really doesn't have like a trail? And so you have to follow a guide to get you where you're going. Guides know, you know, what berries you can eat and what things you can do or what water is safe to drink. They know how to get to the destination. And our, our job really on something like that, some kind of venture is to follow our guide. And that's what life is like for us is that we have a guide who is the Holy Spirit. And so we need to value following. And this is where we're at today is that in order for us to hear the voice of God, we realize that we're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, it is better that I go that the Holy Spirit come because he will live in you. Now, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, this is just good theology, that spiritually he's made us alive and we are vitally connected now to the Father as a result of that. If he's this close, how can we not hear him? I mean, just think about that for a moment. I, I, my basic theology is that he lives too close for me not to hear him. He lives way too close for me not to hear him. And so any theology, whether it's cessationism or any other kind of theology that says God no longer speaks to us today, just seems kind of ridiculous to me. Number one, we see throughout scripture, people heard the voice of God. Number two, we see throughout history, people heard the voice of God. And number three, people today hear the voice of God. Certainly there's a lot of people that are crazy or say crazy things. We can admit that we do need discernment. I'm not telling you we don't, but we need to expect that it's normal. That's really what we're going for today, that it's normal for those that follow Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, we see on the day of Pentecost that there's a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we kind of summarize that in calling it the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And there's supernatural signs and wonders and many are filled. And Peter references the Old Testament in saying as a response to what happens that the Holy Spirit is poured out and people speak in tongues and prophesy and there's supernatural signs and wonders in response to people thinking that all those that are experiencing that were drunk, Peter gets up and says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. He says, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. As the Holy Spirit is poured out, Sons and daughters, young and old, they will prophesy. They will hear God's voice and they will speak. This was not um, an accident. This prophecy from Joel chapter 2 that Peter uses as an explanation for the outpouring of the Spirit in his day in the first century, this is not an accident. The, the wording, the terminology, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out and they will prophesy. In other words, you no longer have to be a prophet that stands before God. You don't have to be a specially anointed person that is in a successive line of prophets, that your dad was a prophet, that your mom was a prophetess. You no longer have to have some special heritage, some special breed, but that you can be anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and those who are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, they will hear the voice of God and they will speak what God is saying, that we are a prophetic people, we are a prophetic church, and we can hear the voice of God. Just like Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now we've looked at this 
relationally in cha chapter one, session one. And we're looking at this to kind of solidify it theologically in chapter two. We're saying this is the Bible. This is not my opinion. This is not your opinion. This is the Bible from cover to cover. We have an alive, living, active, real God communicating with, um, touching the lives of real people, moving them to do his will in the earth, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles happen. This is the life that we were born for. This is the reality that we, were, that we are alive for. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. He navigates life with us. He knows where we are going and we want to learn to follow Him. I remember uh, several times how God would communicate with me and it wasn't always that I knew that God was actually speaking to me at these times and one of my major ones that I can bring up as an illustration was that um, a couple years before I came on staff at the church that I'm working at right now, Mill Creek Foursquare Church, I had a dream and in this dream I was, because I had attended this church before but I wasn't like a member of it or anything like that and then I went off to plant a church. So while I'm at this other church, I have this dream about me being in the church that I'm at now and I'm sitting in the back and one of the pastors is up front and he's putting, he has his notes out and he's basically, uh, what I realize in the dream is he's introducing somebody. And as I'm listening to him introduce this person, I look down and in my hands, I have like a notebook and a Bible and I realize like I'm, I'm prepared to go up and give like a sermon or a speech of some kind. And it dawns on me that this pastor is actually introducing me. And I mean, this is a couple years before uh, before I had come to this church. I was already at another church. And so in the dream, I'm kind of not sure what's happening other than I knew that I knew that I knew I was being introduced. And so I came up front as I was introduced. He said, this is Ben Dixon. He's coming on staff at this church. And he basically gave three things that I was going to help the church enter into access or be a part of. And as I walked up, I put my Bible down, I put my notes down, and I begin to look out. There's lots of people, hundreds of people that are filling the church. And I begin to speak, and I talked about intimacy with God. I talked about repentance, and that God wanted to spend time with them. And I remember saying, God wants to spend time with us. This is what He wants. And I kept saying this, and as I said it, I saw so many people in the church just begin to cry, and repentance happened. And it was just this beautiful thing that happened throughout the church. And I woke up. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I wrote it down in my journal and I have it still to this day in my office. And throughout time when I was a part of that other church, I was a youth pastor there and our church began to go down a road where we were eventually going to close our doors. I had that dream written in a journal and I knew what the Lord was saying to me. I just didn't know when this was going to happen, but I visited 30 other churches. I, I, my wife and I, when our last church closed, I went to all these other places and I was looking for this thing or that thing. I don't even know what I was looking for, but ultimately in the back of my mind, in my heart, I knew the Lord gave me this dream to show me, to communicate to me by the Holy Spirit that this is where I belonged. And that was 14 years ago when I started, my wife and I and family came to this church that I'm a part of now where I'm a pastor. And I'm just saying that God directed my life. He gave me a dream. I wasn't asking for it. At the time, I was a youth pastor in another church. I thought everything was going down a certain road. This is where I was going to be. I had no plans of changing direction. But the Lord, in advance, told me where I was supposed to go. And He, he meant it because He wanted me to know for His own reasons. And now I realize, of course, later down the road why and what the Lord had for me and why He wanted me to be here. It wasn't about me. It was for 
his own purposes, to bring him glory. And I'm thankful that the Lord speaks to us. I want to convince you, God is speaking to you. Number one, are you listening to him? Are you listening to God speak to you? Number two, do you know how to discern the voice of God? Are you expecting? Uh, are you pursuing? Do you know how to discern? We're going to talk more about that later. But be sure of this. God is communicating with you. He did in the Bible. He communicated with people in Scripture. He communicated people with, uh, in history. And God communicates with people today. I want to leave our time and close our session by reading to you and asking you the questions that I have in chapter two as review questions in my book. And this is the first question I want to ask you. How do the Bible accounts of hearing from God differ from your experiences? If there is a difference, why do you think that that is the case? And what I'm getting at in this question is, do you read the Bible and you think, well, that, I'm not like Abraham, or I'm not like Thomas, or I'm not like Peter, or I'm not like um, John? Do, do, you, do you see that account and you just sort of distance yourself from what you read about in the Bible because your experience is different. Well, I think we need to acknowledge that. Is your experience different than what you read about in Scripture? And why is it? Or how is it different? You should write that down. And then you should begin to, in a pursuit of God, ask the Lord to change your experience. We're not changing the Bible, so we need to change our experience. If this is not our experience, hearing the voice of God, then we need to ask the Lord to make it our experience. And so I would never, you never want to build a theology on your experience. You want to build it on scripture. And I've just shown you all throughout the Bible, people heard God speak. This was normal. This has never stopped. I've shown you that. And so instead of trying to build our theology on experience, I think what some people do is they build their theology on a lack of experience because they've never had this happen. Well, what we want to do is read the Bible and see that it's not our experience, wherever it's not, and then ask God to make it our experience. I think that's good fruit, good theology, and we want to follow that pattern. The second question is this, what historical accounts of people uh, who heard from God inspire you and why? Do you know of any? There's a couple that I wrote about in my book, pretty incredible ones actually, throughout history, church history, there are several that heard the voice of God sp uh, speak to them. They heard God speak to them and, uh, and it launched their ministry. St. Augustine is one of them, was a father of the church. I mean, it kind of dictated some of the doctrines that we even believe today. But seldom do people really know that he heard the voice of God. It's one of the ways that he came to Christ, that he literally heard the voice of the Lord. And we need to know this about church history. It's so important that as you look in church history, people have made a very serious effort to de-supernaturalize church history. Because there are a lot of people that, that believe in cessationism, that God no longer does signs, wonders, miracles, that spiritual gifts aren't for today. And certainly God doesn't communicate at all to us personally. It's only in the Bible. And so it's like saying that we believe that, that what God did in, in the Bible times happened, but we don't believe that it happens today. That's not really having faith in Scripture um, and, in, and in God. It's believing that something like a historical account but like, what, is God not alive today? Like he doesn't do those things anymore? No, of course he does. He's, he's alive today just as he was then. He's healing people today just like he was then. He's communicating to us today just like he was then. And so we want to ask the question, what historical accounts of people who heard from God inspire us? If you don't know any, you can see some in my book and, and you can also look into church history. The third question is, what are the clearest examples of hearing from God in your own experience? I think it's important to have these as markers in our life and write those down. And what about the accounts of other people you know or have heard about? Do you know of anybody else that has basically told you their experience of hearing from God? 
and really just learning to listen to other people's story. Have you ever heard from God? Has God ever communicated to you? One of the things I like to do in my classes is ask people, how many of you here have heard from the Lord? How many of you here have, have gotten a word from God or you've had somebody give you a word or God spoke to you, communicated to you somehow, a scripture came alive, an impression, a vision, a thought, a picture, a dream. I mean, it's astounding. So many people have heard God at some time in their life. And the fourth and final question is, what encouraged you most about this session or this chapter and how will you apply it to your life? Is there something that you need to do? Is there a change that you need to make in order for your ears to be open, your eyes to be open to all that God has for you? God speaks today and we want to be listening and expecting to hear from Him. Let me pray for you. Yeah,